Good morning, Hillside. It is 9 a.m., which means it is time for another devotion, another look into God's Word. And once again, just as we did last week, we're going to be looking at this week's psalm for the upcoming Sunday. And this psalm is, I think, highly encouraging. And yet it includes something right at the beginning that I have to confess is always, well, it always brings up mixed emotions for me. Uh, let me tell you a, a brief story. I remember going to a Promise Keepers event some years ago. This is quite a few years ago. I mean, I was probably a teenager um, or a young adult. And if you're not familiar with Promise Keepers, Promise Keepers were these large arena-filled gatherings of men uh, with the intent, I mean, it's in the very title, Promise Keepers uh, of men that were trying to keep their promises of faithfulness to the Lord. And so the conference would typically include exhortations to be better husbands and better fathers and better employees and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, of course, you know, there's a part of you that's encouraged by that because you, you know, like being coached, you want that encouragement. You want to be reminded why it's important to do all of these good and right things. But, of course, that can be exhausting, too. And I remember one speaker stuck out to me there because he was different than all the others. He got up there and he led us initially in his talk in a very, very familiar chant, something that uh, had been chanted back and forth between the two sides of the stadium the whole conference. He began by saying, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? And one side of the stadium would say it and they would challenge the other side of the stadium to say it louder. And this went back and forth for a while, and he was leading the chant. And then suddenly his tone shifted, and he said, No, you don't. Because if you really loved Jesus, then you would obey Jesus. And of course, the entire stadium went silent. Here in this conference full of men determined to keep their commitment, to keep their promise to the Lord of faithfulness, suddenly the hammer was dropped in recognition, in realization that in truth, unless we were loving God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, or loving our neighbor as ourself, that it's kind of hard for us to say that we genuinely love Jesus. And so as a result of that, and as a result of what I think is consistent with Scripture, the fact that we fall short of this standard, anytime I hear people talking about their love for the Lord, I always get a little uncomfortable. I know what's meant, but I also know that when we tend to put the emphasis on ourselves and on what we're doing, it tends to lead to all sorts of problems. It tends to lead to introspection rather than looking outward to the good of our neighbor. It tends to look to works righteousness rather than grace alone through faith alone on account of what Christ alone has done for us. That said, now we get to our psalm. It is entirely appropriate for Christians, for the people of God, to indeed say to whatever degree, albeit imperfectly, that we love the Lord. It's appropriate to say we love Jesus. As 1 John says, we love God. Why? Because he first loved us. 
the, the important thing when we talk about our love for Jesus is first basing it on why it is we have any love for Jesus at all as sinners that naturally don't love God. Why it is that we'd have any, any affection for the Lord. And so that said, by way of setting up, I want to take us to Psalm 116, where the first words are the psalmist declaring that he loves the Lord. He says, I love the Lord because, now that's so important. Why do you love the Lord? This is where we need to go. It's not just, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. But no, it's, I love Jesus. Why? Because of all that he has done for me. That is the emphasis. The emphasis needs to be on not our love, but on his love first. So the psalmist says, because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Folks, every Christian can say the exact same thing. Jesus Christ has heard your voice and your pleas for mercy and has promised to give it to you, just as he did to the tax collector in the famous parable in Luke chapter 18, who cried out, have mercy on me, the sinner, while beating his breast, so you can know that just as Jesus says that man is justified before the sight of God, you are justified before the sight of God, solely based on his mercy. The psalmist continues, because he inclined his ear to me, he chose to listen to me. He didn't have to, but he chose to listen to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol, the place of the dead, laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. We don't know what the psalmist was going through when he wrote this, but this gives us a clue that he was probably facing some sort of physical malady, some sort of real hardship, and really felt like maybe his days were coming to an end. And yet he called out to the name of the Lord, and God brought healing to him. He continues, verse 4, Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Now, in Hebrew here, it's interesting. The word then, I, when you read then I called, it actually could be better understood as then I kept on calling on the name of the Lord. There's a persistence here that Jesus references all throughout his ministry, most maybe specifically in the parable of the persistent widow, in which we're told that this widow is lauded because she just won't give up pleading for her cause, even before an unrighteous judge and Jesus says, your father is righteous. He is good. How much more willing is he to answer your prayer and your pleas as the psalmist celebrates at the beginning here of this psalm? And so now we move to the question of why it is that God would incline his ear to us. Why is it that God would hear our pleas for mercy? Why is it that he indeed has delivered our soul and will deliver our soul to eternal life? Well, the psalmist gets to that in verse 5. Because God is gracious. It says, gracious is the Lord and righteous, or faithful is another way of saying righteous. Our God is merciful. The cause of him inclining his ear to you, the cause of him saving your soul from the pit of hell, the cause of him being faithful to you even when you're faithless, is almost is always and forever his grace you don't deserve it i don't deserve it we haven't earned it and we never ever will nevertheless he is gracious and his grace and mercy lasts for 
ever. And then look at this, verse 6. I love this word because I fit into this descriptor. He says, the Lord preserves the simple. Now, if you're familiar with the Proverbs, you know that there's all sorts of warnings against being simple. Sometimes we think of simple in, I think, one way, which is good, which is you don't, you don't make things too complex. That's good. But the way the psalmist often uses it, or the Proverbs often uses the word, is basically an idiot. Basically somebody who was a dummy. Well, far too often in my life, I can attest to many, many situations in which I have been the dummy. I have been the simple. Perhaps the psalmist is noting here that even though he was an idiot, maybe it's his own idiocy that got him into the trouble that he was in that caused him to cry out to the Lord, certainly possible with what we know about ourselves. Nevertheless, the psalmist celebrates that the Lord is so gracious that he preserves the simple. Don't pass over that word preserve. Don't pass over that word too quickly. Because again, we have to know God is not just gracious to us at the beginning. He's not just gracious to us until we get our act together, until we meet a certain standard in which we can pull our big boy pants up and take care of things on our own. No, no, no. The Lord preserves the simple no matter how far along we go. The Lord keeps us in right favor with him. The psalmist continues celebrating. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Indeed, he still does deal bountifully with us each and every day, folks. And I have to remind myself of this every single morning, is gift. It is gift. We live by gift from the hand of the giver. God is so generous to us. He is so patient and kind with us. In spite of our undeserving nature, he is so good to us. Every breath we take, every morsel of food we eat, every laugh we have with a friend, every embrace we have with a family member, and the list could go on and on, is a reminder that we are living by gift. And so the psalmist concludes our time today by once again celebrating, you have delivered my soul from death, verse 8, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Indeed, that promise is for you as well today. You, because of the grace of God, because of the faithfulness of God, will walk before him in the land of the living. You will not die for eternity, dear Christian, but you will live, and you will live renewed, no longer hindered by the disease and malady that strikes us down each and every day. No more news about another coronavirus variant ever again. Good gracious, are we ready for that? Well, one day... <laughs> One day that's happening. One day there will be no more of this and we will walk before God in the land of the living because, solely because of his grace to us, shown to us by Jesus Christ in his life, death, and resurrection. So, 
based on that fact, it makes all the sense in the world. Yes, for us to say, I love Jesus. I love the Lord because he's so faithful and good to me each and every day. All right, that's our time in the Word today. I hope you can join us this Sunday at church for Rally Sunday, that time in which we get back together to celebrate what God's got planned for our church in the fall. All sorts of ministries are kicking off. We'll have some uh, some lunch after the service. Service is going to be at our normal summertime at 10 a.m., uh, and then afterwards, lunch and hangout time, fellowship time. Hope you can join us. Look forward to seeing you there. God's richest blessings to you folks. Have a great day.